to Pastor Art. Aloha. Aloha! What a privilege to be here, and what a joy to be here. If you're looking at my sweater, don't overstudy it. It's my holy sweater. <laughs> Somebody walked up to me and said, do you know your sweater has holes? I said, do you know what day it is? They said, Sunday. I said, it's my holy sweater. All right. So now that you're over that, let's move on. Amen. I do want to say sincerely that uh, uh, John, uh, in this before um, this audience, I want to say how much I want to thank you and your wife and your entire staff. Amazing people, amazing leaders. Uh, your pastor's name is, is known in this community for a reason, because they preach Jesus, and um, he's just got a, an amazing reputation. Pastor Bert Pretorius speaks highly of your pastor, and, um, and he, he, he warned me. He says, Ot, I can't speak the way you all, but you kind of sound like Ot. And um, I know someone just said, what's he trying to do? Anyways, the point, and he says, whatever you do, do not mess up. Do not mess up at his church. That's my friend you're going to. I said, okay, Pastor Bird, okay. So anyways, have mercy on me, everyone. So it is an honor to be here. Would you just give it up for your pastor? I just want to just applaud them. He wouldn't ask for it. Father, we do come before you this morning, and we certainly want to thank you. Lord, I sense your presence in this place without question. Father, for what you want to do. Father, your word says you inhabit the praises of your people. And when you inhabit, Lord, there is nothing that cannot be done, Father, in that atmosphere. There are times where your atmosphere just speaks miraculous. It speaks, Father God, supernatural. And this is one of those times. Lord God, we in ourselves are nothing before you. But by your grace, great things are happening in our lives. We stand before you, faithful, loyal God. Regardless of what is going on, we're giving you glory. And Father, I want to thank you in advance for all that you will do, how you will speak to your people. By the Holy Spirit, you are the only one that's being glorified in this place. And we want to thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Just take a look at the screens if we would, please. Everybody has a story, but not every story that everybody has is a story that everybody wants.
God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart. seeking God at a certain point uh, a few couple of years ago and God gave me this word and the word that he gave me is God can change the story of the city by changing the story of one person at a time. The amazing things that God can do with an individual that will trust him and believe him. He will do the impossible. He will make the impossible possible regardless of what doctors have said, regardless of what circumstances have said, regardless of how you feel about it, if you will not be governed by your feelings and let God be God in your life, he will change your story. Amen? So it says here, and I really believe this, it's a little bit, it's prophetic. God can change the story of a city, you know, by changing the story of one person at a time. And I want to say this right now. You're that person, and this is your time. High five your neighbor say, you're that person. And if you have somebody on the other side, say, this is your time. You know, there are 7.5 billion people on the planet. And, uh, and I would like to say it this way. There are 7.5 billion stories that Jesus Christ has the full ability to change. Without question, without doubt, without any hesitation. And I want you to realize you might be, you might have a story in your life that's troubling you. You might have a story in your mind right now that's, that has you, you know, a little challenged on a number of different issues. And, uh, and I don't want to overdefine what the story is. But I want you to understand that every person in this room has a story. Your life is a story. And you're, you might say, generally speaking, your life might not be where you want it to be. And I like telling people all the time, you know... You know, God knows how to get you where he wants you to be. He knows how to do it if you and I will follow him. But here in this room, there is a story. Some of these stories we're keeping really packed down that no one else knows about. And that's fine. Some stories you might think everyone knows about it. There are two kinds of people on this planet that have stories. <clears throat> people with Christ and people without Christ. And that's not a judgment or a criticism. It's just true. What I'm trying to say to you in a different way is that everybody has a story. Four things I know about a story, and that is number one, everybody has a story. Number two, every story is important to God. Now the first thing, the adversary, or maybe what we have bought into because of certain things that have gone around us, certain things that we've seen, time has passed, is that our story really isn't that important. Because if it was that important, he would have done something immediately about your story. But I'm here to tell you. God doesn't reference our lives by time. He doesn't live by time. We live by time. He is the God of times and seasons. And I want you to understand what he needs from people like you and I or anyone with a story for him to intervene and change that story 
It's simply our faith. He says, trust me with all of your heart, lead not to your own understanding, acknowledge me in all of your ways, and I will direct your path. I don't care what kind of hell hole you look like you got, or what kind of cliff you have, one finger, one pinky holding on to before you let go, and you all go down the bottom. I don't care how dark it looks, how twisted it looks, how bad it looks. And I know, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I know life can look really, really dark and really bad, but don't let that govern your faith. That is not the governing rudder of your life. Your faith is the governing rudder of your life. Well, I know you've heard about faith. I know you've heard about trust. But until you do it, you don't know about it. Because it's not enough about having knowledge. You have got to have something inside of you. And you've got the goods on the inside of you. If you're a Christian right now, your story is you are a story of redemption. I love stories of redemption. No matter what you're going through right now, I'm here to tell you God can turn it around. God is not hesitating. God is not questioning. Your story is not too big. Your story is not too small. For God Almighty, and he came and proved how much he loved you, that God sent his son to change your story. And then when his son was resurrected, he sent the Holy Spirit to ensure you that you and I would not be orphans, but we would have the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, redeemed of the Lord, let me tell you something. The Bible says that you are to recognize every good thing in you in Christ Jesus. You have to do this. You have to realize that you are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Packed up on the inside of you, whether you ever draw on it or not, it's called the anointing. 1 John 2, 20 and 27 says there's an anointing that permanently abides within you. And I want you to understand you are the temple of the living God. We say all the time, sing sometimes, and I'm not saying this, I don't know this environment, but it's a beautiful environment. Except for the scaffolding, though. But anyways, outside of that, everything is awesome here. But, <clears throat> but even the scaffolding has a beauty to it if you stop and look at it. But I, I want you to understand, he's here to change your story. And, and God can do that. And I want you to understand, you know, sometimes we think somehow God has forsaken me. Sometimes, you know, God has left. Listen, you got to go back to the word, reassure yourself of who you are and what he's done. Everything on that cross he did for you. He sealed what he did on that cross and what he promised to you when he rose from the dead. And I want you to understand that you are not a believer, redeemed of the Lord, with a story of redemption without power. The power you have, you have power. You say, well, if I have it, it ain't showing up. Well, it's then there. And the thing is, the only thing that draws it out is your faith. Now, I don't know how people have defined your story. I don't know how you defined your story. Sometimes we have these stories that seem so unchangeable, so impossible, so insurmountable, so unthinkable in terms of having a resolution or a turnaround. You know, there's a man by the name of Abraham who had the same situation. He had to get to the point in Romans chapter 4 where he considered not his own body nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. I'm here to tell you, I don't know what your situation is. I know, like I said in the first service, you might think like, well, preacher, man, you, you know, it's easy for you because you live in Hawaii. And you're surrounded with pineapples, papayas, palm trees. And I can only imagine that your church doesn't even have carpet. They have sand. And you probably don't even have chairs. You have beach chairs. And I would say, like, who sent you the picture? You know, it's exactly what we have. And somebody just turned to somebody, really? They have that? It's amazing what we have. But here, you know, I want to challenge you. Sometimes when we think something is unchangeable and 
you know, just because your mind cannot wrap itself around it doesn't mean that God is hindered. Your mind, your senses are not the indicators of God's all, you know, possible power. He is the God of the impossibility, which simply means that what is impossible, he makes possible. You didn't write the book. That's why he gave you the Bible. So he let you know that there are going to be moments in your life that you're going to feel certain ways, think certain ways. But he brings us back to the word so that we don't get off track, so that we live in the miraculous. Shandai time, my bow tie. And uh, I'm going to amen myself here. This <laughs> but when I talk about uh, changing your story, I like doing little acrostics. For the, I'm going to give you the word story here. For the story I'm referring to <clears throat> that he's going to change is, he'll ch for the letter S, it's setbacks into comebacks. Some of you in this room might have a setback in your life. And you just think like, my God, you know, all I got is this thing. And I don't know how I'm going to get out. And I'm here to tell you, when I talk about change your story, generally speaking, you can define it and the Holy Spirit will make it more personal. And that he's going to change your setback and he'll come back. <clears throat> right now you might be feeling you're going through a test in your faith or a test in life. Well, he'll take your test and turn it into a testimony. I just want you to know that. And he'll take your, he'll take, listen to me, for the letter O, he'll take the odds against you for his favor that's for you. You ain't hearing what I'm saying. He'll take the rut that you're in and cause a revival to rise up for the letter R. And for the letter Y, he'll take yesterday's defeat and make them today's triumphs. I'm here to tell you God is active in charge and in operation. Amen. And I want you to realize, and I want to say this with respect, and uh, I know where I'm at. I'm under pastor's authority. I am a guest. I do understand that. And I don't come with any other motive whatsoever. But I want to share this with all sincerity. Let me give you a biblical background and help you to understand what you're trying to justify. What? Yeah, exactly. It's just amazing how people try to justify and reason why their story just can't change. Whatever it is. You know, Pastor, you just don't understand. No, you just don't understand. What? You can't talk to me like that. You're a guest in this country. I know. Thank you very much for welcoming me. I appreciate that. And uh, your kindness is amazing. But I want you to understand this. It's not about where you live. And it's really not about what you're going through. I know, I know that seems challenging. But listen. You have to be careful that you don't buy into the demonic lie that your story is unchangeable. That somehow God doesn't care, love you enough. You know, we don't say it that way, but I'm going to expose you. I'm just going to unwrap this puppy right here. You know, the enemy wants you to buy into somehow every promise is true for everybody else, but not your story, not in your situation, not for your child, not for your spouse, not for your situation. You know, and he tries to get you to first, he wants you to doubt the promises of God. He wants you to doubt the presence of God. He wants you to doubt the power of God. But I'm here to tell you, you have every right. You know, to cast down every imagination that's contrary to the word of God. And I want, I want you to hear this. It was a, a man that you've all heard about, Old Testament, New Testament, great example for us. He's called the father of faith, not, not the father of God, but the father of faith. His name is Abraham. And in the story, this is Genesis 18. You can go back and read it on your own time, not my time. Anyways, uh, 
because they don't give me that much time. But anyways, I want, no, but I'm very interested. Um, that's qualify everything I say. But I want you to hear this. Um, one day, the Lord, it says, it begins in verse 1. It says, the Lord was walking along and came along Abraham at that point. And, uh, and Abraham said to him in verse 3, he said, Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass me by. I just want to assure you that sometimes when you read the Old Testament, remember, you don't live in the Old Testament. You live in the New Testament. You learn out of the Old Testament. Wonderful. Holy Spirit-led lessons and revelations, but you're a New Testament creation in Christ Jesus, which simply means is this. You already have the favor of God on you if you're a believer. The favor of God, the grace of God is on you, in you, and working through you. See, Abraham did not have what you have. He didn't have God living, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him. But, but <coughs> So I just want to make sure that <clears throat> you understand this. He said, don't let don't let your favor pass me by. Lord, don't pass me by. And I want you to be assured as I move along in this thing, I'm trying to give you some, some key steps here, that his favor is here in this place. You've got to be kidding me. His favor is in this house. His favor is on your life. His favor is working. You know, let me tell you exactly what I see in the realm of the spirit. I see like in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, the Holy Spirit brooding over this place. He broods over this place. He is the creator. He can make something out of nothing. I'm here. He's ready to do the miracle. Just like in the book of Genesis. And it happens all the way through. All the way through the New Testament. Because we're living the day of visions and dreams. The Holy Spirit's power has been poured out like in the prophet Joel spoke about. And this is the hour. And the Holy Spirit is as powerful. He is the might of God. When the Bible says be strong in the Lord and the power of his might or the might and the muscle is the Holy Spirit. And he's been sent. Jesus said, you know what? To your, for your advantage, I, I'm going to have to ascend and do my assignment, but I'm going to send somebody who will never leave you. He won't forsake you. He's called the Holy Spirit. He will never glorify himself. He will always give me glory. He'll never speak on his own authority. He'll never take any credit, but he's with you. He's my muscle. He's my power. He's the one who works the miracle of healing your body, turning your marriage around, bringing your child back. Come on, somebody. He's about ready to do something here. This Latino who lives in Hawaii gets excited. It must be the juice. Hey. But anyways, as we move down, all of a sudden, here in the book of Genesis, as we're in the book of Genesis, um, he, the Lord begins to talk to, to Abraham. And the Lord says to Abraham, and he says uh, to him, according to the time of life, according to the time of life, one year from the now, from now, Sarah, your wife, will have a child. What is he saying? In summary and in, in, in context of what I'm speaking about, Abraham, I have the power to change the impossible looking story of your life. You know, now Abraham didn't answer. You know what? Because he had a hard time believing. He already knew that his physical factory couldn't produce any children. You don't understand what I'm saying, do you? Now he... <laughs> I mean, he doesn't know that the woman over there that he was married to, whoo, well, her factory done shut down a long time ago. In fact, it was rusted over, had cobwebs on the doors, you know, hadn't visited that place in a very long time. Thank you, Jesus. Let's get Holy Ghost. Let's get Pentecostal here for a moment. And how, you ain't feeling me. I know you ain't feeling me, but anyway, it's okay. You don't have to feel me. You just have to <laughs> give me the word. 
And the Lord came and he spoke. And now Sarah was in the tent next, next to where the Lord was talking to Abraham. And, uh, and the Bible says that when Sarah heard what the Lord said, you know, she was eavesdropping. That's what women do. That's how they get the details. Anyways, uh, all the women are sitting like, yeah, I, know, I know how you're looking at me. I have four daughters, of course, and a beautiful wife. And uh, so I got a lot of estrogen in my home. You open the door, the first thing that hits you is the estrogen in my home. So I'm speaking with experience, y'all. I know women. Anyways, uh, and I'm learning about them all the time. So um, I want you to understand. So what God is saying, he says, Abraham, I'm going to change your impossible looking story. And, you know, he tried to do it his way. And maybe that's why you've given up for your situation ever turning around. The business you lost, the bankruptcy you went into. You know, you're giving up on the healing power of God. Not, not that you're, really, you're not really giving up, but you just don't see a way out. You haven't really applied your faith. It has you more anxious and worried than it does in faith. Those are moments that will define you. Those are moments that God uses to build something on the inside. He didn't cause the pain. He didn't cause the trouble. But he'll build you to break through it. And I want you to understand. So Sarah laughed inside of her. And the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? And could you imagine Abram's looking at the Lord? The Lord's talking to him. He didn't hear anything. He probably said, Lord, you know, are you hearing things? I didn't hear anything. Imagine the Lord. This is Archipoda's rendition. And the Lord said to him, Abraham, are you saying I'm hard of hearing? <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, and then Sarah somehow meets up in the next verse. And the, the Lord asks, Sarah, why did you laugh? And she was in denial. Well, I didn't laugh. He said, well, yes, you did. And Sarah said, no, I didn't. Could you imagine bantering with God like that? That's how some of y'all pray. <laughs> That was a gentle nudge. Anyways, um, and then the Lord responded to Abraham and Sarah. He said, why did Sarah allow him? This is what I want you to hear <clears throat> in verse 14. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now, if you go back and read that story from many different directions, it was physically, logic, logically didn't make any sense. But faith never makes sense. You have to understand, faith never makes sense. But faith does make Miracles happen in your life. And I want you to understand this. So when I'm talking about the change of your story, because if you buy into just excusing, justifying, somehow not wanting to come, that's a taint in your life. And as hard as it is in your senses, you must break through. Because if you don't, just slowly but surely, subtly, the enemy will get you to buy into powerless living as a believer. You have to. I know what unchanged stories will do. Unchanged stories will leave you talking and walking in discouragement. Unchanged stories, when I say unchanged, unchanged by the power of God, not offered up to God, not given to God, not believing that God can change it around. And I don't care how bad some situation happens. I'm not justifying anything. You'll learn this by the time I'm done. <clears throat> but the thing is, it will leave you disappointed. 
And disappointment is distancing you from your appointment. And discouragement is distancing you from the courage that you need to break through. God already appointed you to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. God already said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That means the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, he says, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then he also quickens your mortal body. He's in there now. He's in there right now. That's why Paul also said in Philemon 1.6, mentioned a moment ago, you know, acknowledging every good thing in you in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to I share that with you. <clears throat> because Jesus came to change our stories. Art Sepulveda's story, your story. Your story is not too difficult for God. It is not. The enemy wants you to buy into that. Don't buy into it. You have to resist it. You have to resist the fear. You have to resist the emotions because God's about ready to break through. And the only way he breaks through is not because it's a guessing game, but because you're intentional with your faith. You know you're God. He has never let you down, and he has never failed you. No, he has never failed you. He will never fail you. There is no failure in God. As challenging as that might be, well, just stay there and be challenged. But we're going to get rid of that negative story if it's hanging on you because we, we're, we're, God's trying to rescue people. Rescue people. And I know that there's some stories that look dark and, and too twisted, but Jesus came to change your story. Say, Jesus came to change my story. He came to destroy powerless living off of our lives, aimless living. We are no longer powerless. How could you be? You know, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You are a story of redemption. See, everybody has a story, as I said. And every story is important to God, number two, as I said. And like you and many people here, is no reflection of your love for God, no reflection of your sincere and authentic relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But not every person's story is a story that they want in their lives. They just don't know how to get rid of it. They don't know what to do about it. And, uh, but the fourth thing you need to understand is that Jesus is everybody's story changer. See, the Bible says, <clears throat> instead of looking at the problem, at the disease, at the prognosis, instead of giving, I understand, I have professionals and, and doctors and, and professionals in so many fields as this church I only know has and other churches have. They are not the author of your life. We appreciate their expertise, value their, their professionalism and their pursuit for excellence. But they are not God. And you must not put them as God. They do not have the final word. Jesus has the final word. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And everything in between is going to change. Come on, somebody. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, uh, it says, looking unto Jesus, not looking unto doctor. No, he is Dr. Jesus. Hey? But anyways, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Everybody go like this. Some of you ain't obedient at all, huh? Just go like this. Breathe on your hand. Did you feel anything? All right, that means you're alive. That means, in essence, your faith is still being developed. 
He is the author and the finisher of your faith. You have a faith story. You don't have a circumstance story. Yeah, you're going to get trash thrown at you. Yeah, you're going to be called out for all kinds of things. Yeah, people are going to try to redefine your life for the mistakes, you know, that you and I make. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 from the Amplified Classic Version says this. It says, what if some do not believe and are without faith? Does their lack of faith and their faithlessness nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God and his loyalty to his word. No, it says in verse 4, let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care and I don't try to demean anybody and I will not put anybody down. I'm not here to embarrass anybody if they're personally talking to me. But if they're speaking contrary to the word, contrary to what Jesus said, I remind, if they're going to press me, I'm going to remind them who saved me. You weren't there on the cross. You didn't pour out your blood. You didn't resurrect from the dead. So since you didn't, you don't have the final word in my life. Jesus has the final word in my life. And by his stripes, I am healed. Come on, somebody. And he said, nothing is impossible. Now, when I say nothing is impossible, I'm not trying to hype you up. I didn't say that when I say nothing is impossible. You, you, you don't have situations. Your mind can't fit around that situation. But that's regardless. I don't live by my senses. You don't live by I understand them. We have to operate by them. We function by them on this planet. But you're called, as we just sang, we're kingdom. That means that you live by a different set of principles. And that means that you live by something that is as valid as the very platform I'm standing on or the chair you're sitting in. It is more real. See, the Bible says faith is a substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of those things that you do not see. Your faith gives you the ability to see the healing before the healing is manifest. Y'all didn't hear what I said. But in verse 2, it says that the elders obtained a good report by this faith. Verse 3 says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. You don't have to see faith. You don't have to feel faith. You just have to know it is there because God said it is. And it's how he swung the creation into existence. And think about this. Romans 12 verse 3 says, you've been given the measure of faith. Now, if you don't use it, don't ever say God let you down. He didn't. And I know you're using it because this is a house of miracles. Amen? Amen? But you see an author in this verse, looking at Jesus, the author of the fish of our faith. He's a, a writer of stories. Your story is far. He said, well, it looks so tragic. I feel for you. I'll get next to you and I'll cry with you. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm sincere about this. Life can punch you out. Life can hurt. I'm not, I'm not a pastor who isn't denied. Neither is your pastor, and neither are you, I can tell. And my emotions are not an indication of my faith. I feel things like you feel things. I feel hurt, and life can hurt. But I'm not going to live hurt. I said, I'm not going to live hurt. And you've got to understand there's a difference, a mighty big difference. Okay, I've got to hurry. Jesus, slow time. <laughs> Jesus, remember Joshua. Stop the sign. God can take a nobody and make them into a somebody. God can take a nobody's story 
that everyone has rejected, walked away from, abandoned, and said they're good for nothing. And God will take that person with their faith and make them into a somebody and surprise everybody. God takes the impossible and makes it possible. God promises to take the story, as I said last time I was here, that seems to be nothing but a pile of ashes. Your failure, a defeat, <coughs> whether imposed upon you or something you stepped into in some way. It doesn't make a difference how the problem got there, how the negative story got there. I don't, it doesn't make a difference. You can analyze all day long about how it got there. But that, you're, what you're analyzing is the past. I'm not saying don't educate yourself. What I want you to do is start moving in your future. And faith is always now. Now faith. Now, I want you to hear this. God promises to take ashes in the book of uh, Isaiah. And he says to make something beautiful out of that. Think about a person. Just imagine there's a person here in this room. I mean, you just barely made it by the last emotion you had. In fact, you wouldn't have even gotten here if they didn't drag you here in some form or another. You, you kind of even have believed that, you know, because of what you've been through, what's been done to you, and, you know, things that you don't even speak to about to any person, not even the closest people. You're like, you're so ashamed and so embarrassed and just so broken up and so hurt. You never thought something like that. I mean, you wouldn't wish that if you even had an enemy on your enemy. But maybe that's a story you're carrying deep down inside. It's bothering you, taining you, it's hindered you, it's made you insecure, it made you fearful, doubtful, you know, you know, cynical maybe at some of the things when it comes to the supernatural of God. But I want you to hear this, because you might see your life as a pile of ashes. God just told you, you give me your ashes, and I'll make something beautiful out of it. Now your mind says, what? I know. Exactly, right? It's not about your logic. It's not about your reason. It's not about what your education background is. It's about what God says he will do if you will trust him with all of your heart. Amen? And I believe that that's possible. See, Jesus came to destroy the death cycle of powerless living by changing your story. I'm going to have to go to my last video, so I can't do the middle one. Because these people listen too slow. And, uh, <clears throat> well, I'm just telling the truth. I was just, he gave me more time, but apparently, I'm just going to leave it there. You're just going to have to deal with the Lord about it. Let me, let me close with this. There's two stories I have to share with you. This one is going to anchor you. This is, the, this is the revelation that started this whole um, direction in my life. And that is... Um, do you really believe that God can change your story? Don't have to say that out loud. Because I just don't want you to get Pentecostal, full gospel, charismatic on me. Whatever one you, you classify yourself in. You know. Yeah! You know. And then you can't believe for gas in your car. Anyways, the point I'm trying to share with you. You know, what I'm trying to say is that. Do you believe God can change your story? Now that just. Now some of you. I want the Holy Spirit. And he will. Because he's already working. To talk to you about your personal story. That one thing that you just kind of like bury, just want to forget but haven't forgotten, have been carrying for years, you know, whatever it is. I'm not here to define what it is. The first story, the writer of the Bible from 2 Samuel 22 says, God made my life complete. I'm going to share with you who this is in this moment. 
when I placed all the pieces before him. He says, he gave me a fresh start. <clears throat> I feel put back together. It goes on because of time, verse 25. This is the message Bible. <clears throat> God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart. Now, now right there you can see that the, the, the writer is talking about a story. Somehow his story has been authored by God. So he's, he's giving credit to God. These are the closing days of a man that you and I well are acquainted with. His name is King David. At that point, in his closing days of his life, he's acknowledging all that God has brought him through, all that God has forgiven him on, and everything that God has done. And when there were people that tried to divide his kingdom, and there were people uh, that rejected his leadership for the mistakes he made, from the adultery with Bathsheba, to killing Uriah or having Uriah killed, and uh, to uh, crossing the line with God, and dishonoring God's anointing after all that God had done. He crossed every boundary that you can imagine. He took advantage in the worst way of everything that God gave him as a privilege. But the worst story of this text is this. He was carrying that in his mind and in his heart for a year and a half. How long have you been carrying your story? Let me share how, how he got rid of it. A prophet by the name of Nathan came to him and, of course, told him a story about a sheep and some person taking advantage of another person. And um, David stands up as the king and says, you know, that person ought to be in prison. Something ought to be done to him. You know, God, that person is wrong. And Nathan turns to him and says, but you're the man, David. And David had been carrying the weight of that unchanged story for a year and a half, living in the position and in the function, but with an empty heart. Whether it was his pride or whether it was his arrogance, we don't know. Whether it was he just didn't want to admit or he wanted to excuse it, But David could have had Nathan thrown into prison as other kings, as you read in the Bible, had. He could have said, how dare you speak to me, the king of Israel, this way? Don't you know who I am? I got Goliath. I got the bear. I got the lion. You know, I, this, that, and the other, talking about his past. But he didn't. What made the difference for David and will make the difference for us, myself included, is David fell to his knees. And he repented. And that's why he was a, a man after God's own heart. It's not because of his works. It's not because he had this specialized little pocket with God that no one else has. Not because God is no respecter of people. And it's hard for us. Well, let me just speak of myself. I cannot, I don't know your country, but it's hard for me. Because that old man wants to rise up and be so prideful. But God will do amazing things with a broken and contrite heart. Not broken and weakness and, you know, defiling or, you know, rejecting everything that Christ has done for you. No, but broken before God and say, God, whatever you got to do in this heart, you do it. Because I don't understand me the way you understand me. Let me share with you this story and I'll close with one story and then I'm going to pray for you. This is Hugh uh, Pelesasa. 
He is a someone. And not uh, <clears> that that means anything. He's Polynesian. So let me give you a taste of Hawaii. But he had what looked to be like an impossible story after doing everything good, serving the United States of America on military battle under his command in chief at the time. And, um, but he came back with what many of you have often heard about, PTSD. And the effects of that can be, and I've seen over the years, absolutely tragic. He needed to change his story. This is Heal speaking to you. Listen. Andrew, Andrew, can I have you come up here, Andrew? Would you please stand to your feet? You've been very kind. Listen, I, 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 I respect and I understand. If, if you have to go, you have to go. But I have to, not I have to, with permission, Pastor John, I want to minister this word that God gave me right before. Andrew, come on. Come on. Um, <clears throat> I want you to hear this. I, I don't know what people know, what they don't know. It doesn't matter, does it? But I want you to think of your story right now. It's changed you in some way. Maybe it's held you back in some kind of fear, has you in doubt. I don't care what the situation is. It has you in question. God is with you. We're about ready to do something. We're, gonna, we're just going to put it in God's hands. And he's going to heal and he's going to do something. But Andrew, I want you to hear this. My Isabella, my granddaughter, um, at the time, I think she was five. She was acting very limp. We didn't know why. And one day, her mama, my daughter Ashley, said I had to take her to emergency. Doctor said if you had not brought her in, she would have been dead another hour and a half. They found out she had leukemia through her entire body. And it was one of the toughest, darkest times of our life. I have seen, as you have in this house, whatever your background is, God move. How do you, how do you talk to a five-year-old who just doesn't even know what's going on? Ports in her. Doctor saying she's never going to be the same. And um, it was being in the storm. And to believe God, it was like having to walk on water when the waves were just slapping against you. One of the toughest times that I had, it, the doctors gave it the, the worst kind of results. They said, you know, we're going to have to go into, naturally speaking, we had the best uh, certain kind of applications, long story short. She's innocent. And her mama and me and my wife, Kuna, were having to believe God. And she was in this. She had no idea. Sickness and disease was trying to take her life out. I called Pastor Cesar Castellanos. He's my pastor. His pastor is Pastor Yonggi Cho. So I don't have time to break this down, but I want to give you these four things that Pastor Cesar gave me. And I remember we were in Bogota, Colombia. 
And long story short, he gave Pastor Kuna these words. He said, there's four things you have to, you have to do. And my mind, like yours or anyone else's in their story, just spins. Just whatever. He said, the first thing you have to learn is you have to learn to plead the blood and believe in the power of the blood. The second thing you have to do, he says, you have to learn to speak that word. Call those things that be not as though they are. You know, he's saying these things, and I'm thinking like, And um, the third thing was very important. You have to learn to see her before you see her well. And this is very, this is, this is completely biblical. Paul said, 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, the Holy Spirit, will help you. I don't want to use a word that maybe not been defined here. I'll just use the word see. Pastor Cesar, Pastor Youngi Cho calls it visualizing. It's, it's, it's seeing it done before it's done. That's what faith does. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And then he says you have to learn to persevere. Because the Bible says in 2 John 8, in the Amplified, persevere until you win. Andrew, you're going to win. You're going to win. <clears throat> There's nothing weak about you. There's nothing wrong with emotions. There's nothing wrong with your faith. You just persevere until you win. And we will not give up. And we will stand with you. And we will see, we, we are already going to start waving the flag of victory. And I want you to hear those four principles, all he gave me. I'm, I'm, when I get back to the U.S., I will send you his actual teaching on that. It's kind of expensive. Give me a couple of days to get to the U.S. And uh, no, no, but this is serious. But the same thing is true with you. I just want you to understand, the Bible says a lot about God's will for your life, fully grasping what the will of the Lord is. There's not a man or woman in here. There's not but defined by God the salt and light of this world. It has not been shaken by things. All right. Our bodies shake. We're emotional. Hey, we got it. But our faith is stronger. So I want you right now to put your right hand on your heart. I want to pray for Andrew, but I also want to pray for you. And whatever it is, thank you, Pastor John, whatever it is for you, whatever that change of story that you've been dealing with, you make a difference. And I'm going what, what happened. I'm not asking you the event, career, whatever, but what, is, what has it done for you? Is it caused you to be in doubt, fear, insecure, question, or maybe it just has you shaking? Hold that. I just want you to close your eyes and imagine the cross right now, the cross of Calvary. And I want you to see and remember what that cross did for you. He became, Jesus did, your substitute. And the power of that cross is the power of our Christian walk. And he sealed what he did for you, becoming our substitute. For every plague that would ever try to hit your life. And he sealed it in his resurrection. He won the battle. Sometimes we just have to remember we don't have to live tainted. 
and through our own fleshly, natural weakness, you know, we, we, we stumble. We, we, for a moment, it just seems so difficult to see how what looks impossible become possible. But when we look at that cross, you can't look at that cross and cast away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. The enemy might try to be stealing your confidence right now. You as a father or, a, or as a husband, a wife, a mother, a parent or a child, whoever you may be, whatever, whatever might be in your left hand. And instead of trying to take matters in your own hands,